Hello, and thank you for joining us for our Watershed Sermon Podcast. Watershed is a worshiping community within Harderwijk Ministries. We gather at 9.45 a.m. in the Anchor Building on the Harderwijk campus on the corner of 160th and Lakewood in Holland, Michigan. We invite you to join us in person when you are able. To learn more about our Watershed community and Harderwijk Ministries, please visit harderwijk.com. Well, if you haven't been Watershed, maybe you have. We've been in a series talking about core beliefs, um, so core truths that Christians, Christians around the world, Christians across denominations, Christians that cross the Catholic-Protestant divide hold to. These are truths that you go, okay, most likely when you meet a Christian, no matter where they're on, on any give or take spectrum, we're probably going to hold to the truths that we've been talking about. Last week, we talked about God loves the world. Now, again, other Christians will think differently and kind of how that plays out, how that gets worked out, what that looks like. But we believe John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Why? Because God didn't send his world, this is verse 17, his Son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. This has been God's purpose, God's intention the world. And that brings us to actually today's topic, as I already alluded to, compassion. A truth that we hold to uh, in, and we wonder about, a question that we, we've had a question each week. It, when we talk about love, it kind of raises now, so how, what about those who are poor? Poor physically, poor in spirit, poor something's missing, something's lacking. The biblical understanding of poverty isn't just physical financial poverty, but it's a poverty that expands to all kinds of different places and ways, all the nooks and crannies of our life. And that's why we tack on the word injustice. Injustice is simply when the world isn't the way God decrees it to be. It isn't the way it's supposed to be. When what God says isn't happening, When we talk about love, I don't know about you, I can't help but wrestle. So then what about those who are suffering? What about those who it seems like life isn't working out too well for them, but for whatever reason, it's working out for me? Or why isn't it working for me when it's working out for them? Because the Christian truth is this, that I believe that God calls all Christians to show compassion. If God truly loves us, that God calls all Christians to show compassion to people in need. The word compassion literally means to suffer with, to come alongside of. The scriptures will say, to bear the burdens of another because we believe in a Jesus who wouldn't just suffer with us but would suffer for us. A key verse that we're going to hang our hat on today comes from uh, Psalm 82, verses two or verses three and four, uh, and then we're going to actually just dive into the psalm. But let me read three and four, and then we'll we'll dive into this psalm. It says this: Defend the weak and the fatherless, uphold the cause of the poor and the oppressed, rescue the weak and the needy, deliver them from the hand of the wicked. This isn't just a suggestion from the scriptures. This is God's call to us, a commission, we might say. So let's dive into Psalm 82. Let's just jump right in. Verse 1, the psalmist writes this, God presides in the great assembly. He renders judgment among the 
gods. We'll get to that in a second. How long will you defend the unjust and show partiality to the wicked? How long? God is sitting in the midst of the gods. Here we believe the psalmist, uh, the best theologians that, we, that, that I can come across that you know is sometimes when, the, when Scripture refers to the gods, they're thinking of like the angelic hosts, things like that. But here, they believe that it's the rulers that were meant to represent God in the world. Last week, we actually talked about with humanity, why God loves humanity is because we were created in his image. We were meant to be image bearers, reflections of God to the world, and especially leaders. Throughout Scripture, if you are a leader... There's an extra bear, there's an extra load on your shoulders. There's an extra expectation. Whether you like it or not, God goes, I've given you responsibility. Now I'm going to feel like Spider-Man and Stan Lee, right? With great power comes great responsibility. But in the psalm, he's saying, hang on a second. Leaders, if you're really a leader, if it matters to you, if, if God has called you, what's going on? How long are you going to let brokenness take place? How long will you defend the unjust? Those who are making mistakes, how long are you going to show partiality to the wicked, put up with the wicked? And then again, our verses 3 and 4, defend the weak and the fatherless, uphold the cause of the poor and the oppressed, rescue the weak and needy, deliver them from the hand of the wicked. This is God's call. And goes on to say this in verse 5, the gods know nothing. They understand nothing. They walk about in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are shaken. I said, you're gods. You're all the sons of the Most High. Again, let me pause there. God goes, listen, when you're a leader, when you're supposed to be the one leading God's people, you're, you're supposed to be my representatives in the world. And I've said, how long? How long are you going to put up with the mess? Uh, it's because when we put up with the mess, the brokenness, the sin, not only the sin we do, but the sin that happens, the more we perpetuate it, the more we turn a blind eye to it. What does the scripture say? The foundations of the earth are shaken. If we perpetuate brokenness, what do you think it's going to continue to do? It's going to continue to break. We turn a blind eye. We put up with. We excuse. But then listen, what do you say? You're all sons of the Most High. It'd be easy to now just point fingers at leaders, but if we go throughout this series, what have we learned? We've learned that we are all sons and daughters of God, aren't we? In our identity, we've been adopted as heirs. Right, that actually the people of God, the church, is meant to be the ambassadors of Jesus and his work in the world. That the church is supposed to be a priesthood of all the believers. That the church, going back to Abraham, was a a blessed people to be a blessing in the world. This isn't just for some people out there this morning. God's saying to us, hey church, Are you putting up with it? You perpetuating it? He goes on to say this in verse 7. But you, you're going to die like mortals. You'll fall like every other ruler. And then the the psalmist says, Rise up, O God, judge the earth, for all the nations are your inheritance. Right? We believe the earth is the Lord's. Every square inch. 
That what he created was good. Sin, brokenness, whether it happens or we perpetuate it, death pushed into this world is not of God and God will not stand. And yet, because we are image bearers of God, he doesn't go, I'm just going to supplant you. He goes, I want to work through you in this world. You're my rep- representatives. Next week, we're going to talk about stewardship. You're stewards of what I've trusted to you. But man, God cares. God cares deeply about the brokenness that happens. God cares deeply about the things we permit and we stand for. And he says, listen, rise up. Care for the poor, the oppressed, the needy, the fatherless, the orphan. I don't know about you. Whenever we talk about this, I feel a weight. Anybody feel a weight? How many of you feel helpless when you look at what's going on in the Middle East right now? Anybody? How about, how many of you have kind of now forgotten that things are still going on in Russia and Ukraine? Like, it's easier to forget. How many of you kind of drive by the rescue mission in Holland and, and, and forget that there's families that are struggling and challenged in our own communities. Why do we forget? Like, let's just be real and honest, right? Why do we forget? Do you ever feel overwhelmed by the brokenness, anybody? Like, how many have ever feel helpless? It's too big. (laughs) I don't know what to do. How many of you wonder, like, I I don't even know where to start? How many times, uh, maybe some of you, you go, but I've tried. And there were some failures. It didn't get fixed. I don't know how I can try again. Anybody? Right, we go, you know what, we did it, and it it didn't work out to my outcome. We all, how many of you are fixers in the room? Guys, every one of you raise your hand. <laughs> no, I just... <laughs> right, when we see the brokenness of the world, like, it literally, when things are not the way they're supposed to be, it rattles, it breaks down, it, it creates pain. We, we bear it, we're, we're wrestling with it. We don't know what to do, we don't know where to go. The world isn't the way it's supposed to be. And yet... No matter what our reason for not today, compassion is at the heart of who we are to be as Christians. Because it was at the heart of who Jesus was. Compassion was Jesus. Compassion was his mission. As I said before, he didn't just suffer with us, take on humanity, and live the life. Hebrews 4 reminds us that he lived, he walked, he experienced what we experienced, so he knows, and we can go to him because he knows. But this was his mission, to not just say he loves us, but to actually enter into the muck and the mire with us. When he was in the synagogue, uh, Luke 4, we hear this, he picks up the scroll, and it just happened to be the scroll of Isaiah. And he writes, uh, we hear this, he says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for prisoners, recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free, 
to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He closes up the scroll, he rolls it up, and he says, these words have been fulfilled today in your hearing. This was my mission. In Matthew, as he's sitting around um, sinners and, and really, you know, the righteous were, were looking around and saying, how is it that you can sit around with sinners and tax collectors? By the way, sinners weren't just people who made moral failing. Sinners were also those with sickness and disease that were deemed kind of untouchable. So sinners weren't just moral failures. They were societal outcasts or those who for the law's sake for a little while would have to be away from the community before they could come back to the community. And yet, over time, it was easy just to keep them away for a lot longer. Jesus, as he heard them say, how can he eat with sinners and tax collectors? On hearing this, Jesus said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Go learn what this means. I desire mercy, pity, compassion. I desire people to come alongside of and to walk with, to bear one another's burdens. All of this is what's wrapped into these words. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. That's fine. Go praise God. Go make your sacrifices. Do that with thankfulness. But that isn't actually what, the, what my people need to do. What my people need to do is be my people. Show my love in this world. For I didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners. God so loved us. God was willing to enter our pain, the places that break us. He came in order to bring healing and life to those broken places. He came to say, that isn't the end of your story. It won't be the end of your story. There is still life in the midst. And in that compassion... We also become motivated. Paul actually writes, and as he writes to the Corinthian church, he, he endures. I mean, it, go read 2 Corinthians 1. We don't find out exactly what it is uh, that causes, but he's like, man, I almost was ready to be done with my life. And Paul has walked through some hardships. He's been stoned nearly to death multiple times. He has been in, jailed. He's been whipped. He's been beaten off, you know, for the sake of Jesus. But there was something else. He's been shipwrecked. I mean, for crying out loud. But he's like, yeah, just, but we just about, we, we had a, <laughs> we went through it. And man, we were about ready to give up on life. And here's what he says in the midst of that. Praise be to the God and our fa the Father of our Lord and Jesus. Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of what? Compassion, the God of all comfort. This is how he identifies who God is. Father of compassion, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received for, from God. Verse 5, for just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. I want to say this for us this morning. If you are suffering, if you are struggling, if you are hurting, Jesus again in Matthew 11, those words that has been for many, many millennia are still true today. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. A gospel is one where God is for you, not against you. That even in the midst of our brokenness and our hurts, he says, come to me. Come to me. I'll give you rest. That's why rest is a key word for us here at Watershed. 
that this is a place where the gospel abounds. That you're not going to get burdened with more religious do's and don'ts. And I mean, yes, we're going to talk about things that challenge us, but we're not going to give you a checklist of 10 things and then you're okay. No, we want you to come to Jesus, let him be the Lord and Savior of your life. So that you can find life because only when you find life and comfort and strength and that saving of your own broken, can you actually then give that out to the world. It's never going to be go do it and then. God always leads with his grace, unmerited favor and love, his mercy and today his compassion. And God is saying, come to me. It doesn't mean our tears are going to go away. It doesn't mean our hearts are going to immediately dissolve. The Psalms are filled of stories and songs and prayers where we, we, we saturate our pillows with our tears and yet the psalmist time and time again goes, but I'm going to trust in the Lord and his unfailing love. I'm going to trust in his compassions for they never fail. He is the rock on which I can stand, not like the shifting sand. God is for you and not against you. The comfort we ourselves have received but what does Paul say? And that's the well, though, that we give, we comfort others. It's because of that grace. We don't go do it for the sake of doing it so that God can be happy with us. Because then people will just be projects for us. And they won't be who God created them to be. Making someone a project will never get them to Jesus. However, showing compassion and love now that's the pathway Jesus took and that's the path I believe will ultimately have the most hope for them to experience life because I don't know about you, that's how I experience life. Not through condemnation, but through his love and grace. That's our motivation for compassion. We've received compassion. So that's why we give it. It's gratitude. But compassion is also our mission. And this is where, this is the rub. Jesus was serious about this in Matthew 25 when he told the parable about the sheep and the goats. And he says, that's fine, you want to say you're with me, but you don't want your life to, to reflect it? Then I'm going to challenge whether or not you're with me. James, who was a follower of Jesus, got super serious about this in James 1. It's a good reminder for us. And I said this about love last week. Man, if, if we're really not for loving the world, then we got to go back to the drawing board and think about what God loves means for you. And for me, that's the well we draw from. James, he says, man, a religion, not just a faith we believe, but that thing we put into practice, a religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep yourself from being polluted by the world. So to take care of yourself and to take care of others around you. Goes on to say this in James 2, verses 12 to 17. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. Live by people who have been set free. He'll go on to say this, because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. That's always been God's modus operandi. He leads with grace, and we respond in gratitude. He gives mercy. We are not, we are free people. 
because of God's unearned love for us. You didn't earn it, and you don't have to. But then what he expects of it is that that begins to bear fruit in your life and that you become the person that Jesus saved you to be. Oh, and by the way, the person he created you to be in the first place. James is serious. Jesus is serious about this. Mercy triumphs over judgment. He goes on to say, What good is it, my brothers, sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, eh, go in peace, keep warm and well fed. Right? He's using this as kind of that easy excuse. It's the easy out. But does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, is dead. As Christians, we believe we are meant to be the image of Christ in this world. We weren't just saved for ourselves. We're a part of a heritage that's meant to be a blessing to bless. We're a people who've been healed and are in the process of being healed to help bring healing. That until Christ returns and sets everything right, that is the good news. He will do it. It will be done finally and fully. There will, every tear will be wiped away. Every, every wound will be healed. Death will be no more. But until that time, if we know that hope, God says, join me in being what you hope for to the world. Join me in showing what it means to suffer with, to walk with, to bear each other's burdens, to not be willing to get your hands dirty, to get elbow deep in what Jesus came to die for. The Bible is full, as we say again, I believe that God calls all Christians to show compassion to people in need. The Bible is full of what this can look like. I mean, this is some. This is not an exhaustive list of what poor and injustice looks like. Right? The weak, the fatherless, the poor, the oppressed, the needy. Those who are caught under the hand of the wicked. I mean, that can look like a zillion different things. Right? That can be somebody just caught under the hand of their jerk neighbor. Right? Yeah, good. At least a little chuckle there. I like my neighbor, so we're good. No, the prisoner, the blind, the widow, the orphan, the hungry, those in need of clothes, those who mourn, the alien, the stranger, and no, we're not talking about E.T. A biblical word for alien, stranger, is just somebody who is not one of your tribe, but you're going, you know what? You're not one of our tribe, but we're going to make you one of our tribe. Even our enemy. Wherever someone is under the weight of sin and brokenness, Moral failings that they themselves are, are, are the producer of or the things that have happened by, no one, not, by none of their responsibility, none of their energies or efforts, everywhere and everywhere in between. God calls us to show compassion, understanding, love. Mentioned the podcast, the Fear and Trembling podcast this week. I watched, uh, anybody see Jesus Revolution? Anybody? 
uh, Jesus Revolution. It's out on Netflix now. Uh, Kelsey Grammer was um, Chuck Smith, Reverend Chuck Smith. And he played the, the, the main pastor of Calvary Chapel, which blew up in the, the late 60s, well, really early 70s. Movement of the spirit that kind of swept across America. 1971, there was a Time Magazine article, The Jesus Freaks. How many everybody hear, hear the term Jesus Freaks, right? Like this is, there was this movement that happened on the West Coast. And it started at Calvary Chapel. This little dying church. And Chuck Smith is wondering, like anybody, they're seeing the drugs, especially the drug problem in the late 60s, early 70s, a youth movement that was just, was searching for answers but didn't know where to search, right? And their church is just dying and decrepit, and they, they don't want to be open to the world. They, they just want to be happy, sing the songs, we're going to preach judgment on the world. Man, we're all going to hell in a handbasket. How many of you ever felt that way? But here in the midst of it, Chuck's daughter finds this guy walking along, Lonnie Frisbee. Lonnie Frisbee would later become the catalyst to the vineyard movement. There's vineyard churches here in Holland. And Lonnie, this hippie, Jesus freak, challenged Chuck. Challenged Chuck to go, hey, hey, listen. You know, these are all God's children. They're just looking for all the answers in all the wrong places. Will you have compassion? Will you open up your doors to them? Crazy story of how you see Chuck, his wife. You see people lose. The church loses some people along the way. But I'll tell you what, they gained a lot more for Jesus. And by entering into people's story and their search for truth, even though it was in all the wrong places, man, there was healing and there was life. All because people were willing to enter in to the story. Greg Lowry, um, kind of key pastor now for Harvest Chapel, another huge, I mean, mega church movements, right? But I think at the heart of it was because people were willing to have compassion. They were willing to live the way of Jesus, not just say the way of Jesus. We took seriously, I love, God so loved the world. And I'm going to as well. So where do we start? What do we do? Because I don't know about you, I, again, we get kind of hung up and, man, there's so many things. I just want to say first, start where you're at. God has put you uniquely where you are in this world. Put you with your family. You are in the job you are. You are in the neighborhood you are. Yes, you have made choices to get there, but God is sovereign even over our choices. You are where you are because God has called you to be there in this very moment. Just like we're called to be here for whatever reason the Holy Spirit wants to do this morning. You showed up for reasons that are beyond your pay grade and beyond mine. (laughs) But it's because the Holy Spirit wants to do a work in you and also wants to do a work through you. We may not be able to solve what's going on in the Middle East, but you know there are Palestinian Christians and there are Jewish Christians right now trying to find another way. You know there are still Christians today, both in Russia and Ukraine and surrounding places who are saying, I don't care if my life gets blown up, but this is where I am. Now sometimes you may be moved to get there. 
But have you ever heard the phrase, grow where you planted? The church, we're not meant to be everything to the whole world. You and I can't. We are not Jesus. And even Jesus, when he came on earth, stayed pretty limited in his geographical realm with the people he was around. Amen? But what did he say about the church? You're going to do even greater things than I can. Why? Because when his church, his body, takes his move and takes his heart, guess what? Christians around the world can touch billions and billions of lives. Compassion can take place far more than what I have the ability to do. So start where you're at. Who in your own life needs somebody to walk alongside them, to sit with them, to cry with them, to be a shoulder, to be a support, to suffer with, right? And that takes being open and available. This is a challenge to our time in a world where we do not have margins. We don't make for margins. If there's a call, I think, of God to our generation and a reminder, especially to people in the West, slow down. We are overworked. We are overpressed. We are overpushing. We have forgotten the Sabbath. We idolize more things to do, full calendars. We idolize production. And all of these things, I'm not saying there are not good pieces that come out, but we have made things, we worship at the wrong idol, at the wrong foot of the wrong God. And by pressing and pushing, by not slowing down, by not breathing, by not realizing we aren't the center of the world, it makes other things break. We're a 24-7 culture because no one will stand up and say, stop. I'm done. I don't need to make that much or I need to slow down and you need to slow down. And if everybody slows down, then we can slow down. It might feel like it's a press at first, but man, it's got to start somewhere. And it starts with us as Christians saying, you know what? God gave us the Sabbath, made it holy. Six days you should labor, but on the seventh, rest. Remember the Lord. Well, this, when it comes to compassion, do we seek to understand or do we have the answer? Job, a story. And in, in Job, ironically, the last, um, before Pastor Tim Keller had passed away, he was doing this gospel in every book of the Bible series, uh, video series. And it, the last series, uh, last book he was able to record before passing from, from cancer was on Job. And I don't, I don't think God can't work through through that, of what does it mean to, to suffer and walk with. But there, Job had these three friends who did a really great job at the beginning of sitting with him for a few days. But when sitting got to be a little uncomfortable, they had answers. And if you read the book of Job, all their answers were wrong. <laughs> Let me just say this. A lot of times we think we have the answers. But the reality is we're not the people going through it. God has called us to come alongside of those who are. Yes, do we have an answer of Jesus, but sometimes that's not the answer that's needed right at this moment. Sometimes we just need to shut up. Sometimes we got to allow ourselves to feel what somebody's feeling. Sometimes we got to understand why they're hurting. Lonnie helped open up Chuck Smith's view to see what was going on in that drug culture of the day. 
to see what kids were actually looking for and how they could uniquely step in. And so instead of condemning, they loved and sacrificed, showed compassion, and then all of a sudden, hordes and flocks of people in Pirate's Cove were getting baptized, right? And it swept across the nation. Are we willing to understand? In the last couple, are we willing to be stretched? Because suffering with, it's going to stretch you. <laughs> How many of you don't like having answers? Anyone? It's tough. And we want to most of the time for good reason. Amen? But a lot of times, it's because we're uncomfortable with it. Sometimes it's just sitting in the silence. Sometimes it's allowing ourselves to feel. We don't know how we have the capacity to feel. But in the words of one of my Old Testament professors, Dr. Bogart, He said, hey, listen, God's going to bring you to a point where you love and you're going to love so much it just hurts. And then you're going to have to stop because you can't. You're going to find a limit. He goes, and then you're going to retreat for a little while and that's okay. We have a God of grace and mercy. Let him fill you because, man, we've got to be filled by him. But but here's the funny thing. When you go back to loving, you're going to find your capacity to love just got a little bit more. How many of you work out, right? It's like going to the gym. You ain't bench pressing what you're doing now when you started. We stretch. We're willing to be stretched. And then also, are we willing to have the courage to suffer? To go out on a limb. And there's a story here at Watershed. Years ago, Mika's Lunch, many of you are familiar with. A handful of people went down the Dominican on a mission trip. Right, D? <laughs> and at that time, we're willing to be open. We're willing to see need. We're willing to hurt. To come back. I mean, I remember Heather just being broken coming back but in the process we're been, we're willing to be open to what Jesus was doing what the holy spirit was inviting them to like something bigger than what they ever imagined to now there's a nonprofit organization in in the like trying to make sure people have food trying to make sure people have some houses just because people were open to the work of Jesus and it continues to this day how many I mean how many years later Started when I was here in the first place. So, I mean, you're at least looking 16 years or so. But all because somebody felt. Compassion International, you know that organization? Started the same way, just because somebody was willing to be open and say, God, use me. That courage to step in. But at the end of the day, folks, don't, remember, don't, don't forget this. We can't show compassion without being filled by God's. We can't give to others from an empty well. That's when we start turning people into projects or simple ideas, solutions to be solved. We're going to need to keep going back and back to the God of all comfort, our Lord who is a God of compassion to fill us over and over again.
to daily remind ourselves, man, it's by his grace I go, and that's why I give his grace today. Lord, I don't know what I'm stepping into, but I know if you're bringing me there, you're going to give me the capacity. You're going to help me. You're gonna, you'll stretch me. You'll carry me through. That's the journey of a disciple. It's costly. It's not easy. But man, it's one that will change not only our lives, but it will change the life of those around us. And I don't know about you, it's worth it to me. I want to see more joy in life in people's lives. I want to see people free from some of their mistakes and their missteps from the regrets. I want to see people who are motivated that, man, we've got an eternity. Even death itself is lost. It stings somehow. It, it hurts. But man, that God is still good. There's more. God is not done. I want to see people who, who go, you know what? Listen, man, you are of value and worth in a world that just keeps saying, I want to just put you over there so I don't have to see value and worth. Because that's life. The kingdom I look forward to is the kingdom I want to be about working towards. And I hope and pray you join me in that. Let's pray. God, compassion. Our compassion can never just come out of a great idea or because it looks good on our social media page. That's not compassion, that's performance. Compassion is, Lord, when we suffer. We suffer with. We don't go looking for it, Lord. That's, that's not what you've called us to do, is go looking for ways. <laughs> but compassion is, is joining in the work of what you did to get elbow deep, Jesus, and what you died for. To bring hope to the hopeless. To recover sight to the blind. To sit with tax collectors and sinners. To bring freedom for prisoners and those who are oppressed. Lord, to even show enemy to the, or love to our enemies. To even try to understand those who are, who are stuck under the sins that are their own choosing. And yet to sit long enough and, and hopefully consistent enough and with enough grace and kindness and compassion so that maybe, just maybe, you're going to change life. Lord, we can only do it if you're at the heart of it. If it's understanding, God, that you have shown us compassion. You've lifted us out of the pit. You've list, you have breathed your life into us. You have saved us and rescued us more times than we can count. You are patient with us more, certainly more times than we could ever imagine. Lord, help us today to clothe ourselves with compassion. To let love truly again be the thing that marks us. To love our neighbor as ourselves. Lord, suffering with others is hard. It's challenging. The cross certainly was for you. And Lord, that's why I believe Paul just over and over again was like, he somehow was joyous when he suffered because he knew he was participating in what you came to do. Lord, change our, our whole scope of thinking to be like that. 
The joy of coming alongside of others and, and being with them, and even though it's hard and even though it's filled with tears and even though it exhausts us, even though it, it may be taxing and it may almost tear us apart, Lord, may we be filled with a joy from your spirit that says, you know what, but this was Jesus. This was his joy and it's going to be ours because we're working towards something that's bigger than us. We're working towards something that's eternal because we believe, God, you wipe every tear. We believe, God, you raised the dead. We believe, God, that you will heal every wound. We believe, God, that there is not an ounce of sin that will remain. So Holy Spirit, keep working in our hearts. Help us today to both experience your compassion and to extend it to others in your name and by your heart transforming ours. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. To learn how to get involved in our watershed community or how to support Harderwijk Ministries, please visit us at harderwijk.com.